1: What is up, best friends? Welcome to Weta Weta Wednesday. I can't say Weta Weta Wednesday because I want to say Weta. Well, when it's a Weta
2: Wednesday is also, for many people, a Weta Wednesday. (laughs) So you may have had it right first time. Let's
1: go with that we planned that in the script. Uh, I'm Fran, aka FM3 on Twitch. As you all may know, happy to be sitting here with Gary today. I've not had the opportunity to be on Widow yeah, we were just talking earlier about um, this is the first time that we've hosted together, so this will be fun. Yeah, we're going to have a blast and yeah. lots of big news today. We're going to be discussing Borderlands 3 has a release date and more information out there. A new trailer, Anthem developers have cited uh, studio issues privately, but on the record with... Um, Jason Trier over at Kotaku, and Persona 5 was listed on sale for Switch, and there's a lot more, but first, a little bit of housekeeping here. Of course, as you probably know by now, this is Kind of Funny Games Daily, and you can watch us each and every weekday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time Live right here on Twitch TV slash Kind of Funny Games. If you are watching live, remember, you got a very special job. Head over to KindOfFunny.com slash you're wrong if we get stuff wrong, as I often repeat, uh, only keep it to if we're actually wrong because sometimes we get right ins and it. it's hard to go through that stuff. Um, and if you don't watch live, remember that you can watch it later on YouTube.com/slash kind of funny. Ugh. Yes, uh, YouTube.com/slash kind of funny games, or you can listen on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily. Uh, and also, Kevin just pulled up as a reminder. Oh, this is Greg, live. Kevin's not
2: going to be happy about this, is he? Look at the current. Look at the current standings.
1: If you've been following Greg and kind of funny, ESPN underscore esports on Twitch has been having these polls, and uh, Greg is facing off against zero in the uh, round 16 of these polls. So head over to twitter.com slash ESPN underscore esports and if you want, vote for Greggy
2: right uh, now. He's Greg, losing forty nine with four hours to go, Greg is losing forty nine to fifty one. So he needs uh, uh, a last for minute surge. God's
1: sake! So- everyone, go and vote, and then retweet, begging people to vote. We are not be- above <laughs> begging. We are not above be- be- begging.
0: Is,
2: is Greg, is Greg going to be un- unbearable if he doesn't win this it's thing? It's not that
0: Greg <laughs> yeah, going to be unbearable. He's going to be honored that he was even, you know, ranked this high. Yeah. But for <laughs> God's sakes, please go and vote and retweet.
2: Why is this so important?
1: Do I- you're making it sound like this is the It's end important of the world. to Greg. Every victory is important. It's
0: not important to Greg, it's important to the company.
1: Because it's what Kind of Funny stands for, which is it's a community that can do anything it sets its mind to, right? Even, so Even if we, people are way, way bigger than us. That's right. So this is what that stands for. And Greg is at 49%. They're basically tied with almost 82,000 yeah, votes. Yeah, within so, the
2: margin of error. But, you yeah. know, I mean, there's obviously there's no margin of error. There's because no margin there's of error exactly on Twitter. It's just whatever you 81,143 <laughs> votes cast yeah. with four hours to go. And Greg is losing by two percentage points. That's so, got to be harsh.
1: It's going to be a close call if you're over on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Game. Games, but maybe take the second and see if the poll is still live. Uh, I believe that the show will be up just as it's maybe coming to a close. Otherwise, check that out. Also, as a last note, to be a part of the show, of course, you can head to patreon.com slash kind games where bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free. All right. As you already know, today's big stories I uh, already covered off on that. And the last bit of housekeeping there's a meet and greet this Saturday. Gary, you're not going, are you? In uh, New York. That's right. You're not going, right? I'd love to. I love New York, but Me no, too. unfortunately I won't be there. Same sentiment. We got we to gotta hold down the fort here. But New York, you're on the clock at 3 p.m. at Ease Bar, Morningside Heights. Uh, head over there. Check out details at kindofunnycom slash events. Right, Kevin? Uh, yep, that, yep. That sounds totally are right. You go into that, Kevin? <laughs> that sounds totally right. Kevin, uh, you going to be there?
0: Unfortunately, I will not be there. Okay. We will have Cool Greg there and Joey Noel.
1: Oh, cool. Brilliant. Yeah. Love them. Mm-hmm. Freaking fantastic. All right. So head over there. Make sure to sign up. Get there early. You know the drill. And have a lot of fun. And, uh, well, Gary and I will, will miss being there. Yeah. All right. As a last bit of thanks to our Patreon producers, Tom Bach, Blackjack, James Davis, and Muhammad. Muhammad. Thank you very much for supporting us, and also supporting us are our sponsors, 23andMe and Skillshare, but I will tell you more about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have four stories today. A
0: baker's dozen!
1: Let's get into it, Gary. Allow, allow me to say, yes. uh, before we do get
2: into it, typically... Uh, people who are familiar with the word of Wednesday have heard me complain uh, from time to time that I seem to have bad luck in coming in on what, I, what a Wednesday just seems to be like a thin news day. Yeah, that's like sometimes France it's good, Friday. Sometimes Same it's good problem. stories, but sometimes it's like, I don't know, is this really what's happening yeah. today? Today, all big stories. So I'm excited.
1: But yeah, it's funny to hear you say that because I'm sitting here coming in from Fran Friday. Fran Friday's no good either? No, because it's exhausted. The gas tank is empty. It's like out week. the trash day Friday, That's, right? <laughs> pretty much. I come in on trash day, and you get hump day. So we both, I don't know, we have the same problem. But today, lots of big news. We knew this was coming. In fact, there were already leaks about it, but Borderlands 3 has a new release date. Right. There's a new trailer online. And... It's going to be an Epic Store exclusive for a period of time. Okay, so lots of angles on this one. Yeah, so let's just start with the the, the one that everybody wants to know about. Uh, this story I'm citing from Timur Hussein over at GameSpot. Gearbox has confirmed that Borderlands 3 will launch on September 13th, 2019, as indicated by a leak earlier this week. It was true. They had pulled back on a tweet, I believe, that got yeah, leaked out. Yeah, they put up out. a tweet and then deleted it. And they were like, it was funny because folks reached out for a comment and they were like, we just don't have a comment right now, which you could tell, you're like, obviously that's the day, but we're... just gonna have to wait for their they already had stuff in place for this right uh, right this announcement they had their rollout all planned I can't totally blame them because they were like, you know, just let's wait a few more days. But here we it's go.
2: True. I mean, I don't want to. It's interesting. Why do they stagger? I mean, they're a massive rollout event at PAX. Yeah. But then they hold off on the actual release date and some of the other details for a few days later.
1: You know, Why uh, not just put it out there all at once? Yeah, you've seen companies just have their own rhythms and ways that they do things. Sometimes, right, it comes from the developer and this, the PR working together. Yeah. So I don't know whether it was 2K or them, but they've, they had PAX. They had a teaser before PAX. They had multiple things, PAX. Now they had this. This is also, though, it is timed right with the release date of Borderlands um, Game of the Year edition. Right. So I think that was the primary reason. But then, apparently there's even more. I believe it's in the story that on May 1st, there's going to be a gameplay reveal. So they, they have a staggered rollout, okay. probably even leading into around more at E3. But right. um, let's continue with some more details. As you all probably know by now, it's on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Um, and alongside this release date, there is a new trailer, as I mentioned, which confirms uh, at launch the game will be distributed through Epic Epic Game Store So this, PC. Wasn't, this wasn't the trailer they showed at PAX East. This no, is this is brand new. new. Okay, another one. There was some recycled footage in there, but like overall, it's a really cool trailer, a okay. lot of fun. Okay, be sure to check it out. Um, but it's going to be on Epic's Game Store uh, exclusively, so not on Steam or any other services that we can tell. And that is going to be until April 2020. So about a so about a year, si- uh, six months. Oh, no, sorry, about six months. Exactly, about half a year. I'm going from now. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So about six months. Yes, a year from now. Um, so that's a big get for the Epic Game Store. It is, man, and it left me. thinking Thinking, I was like, wow, like what is left right now on Steam side of things? There's obviously a ton of games on Steam and some some quality ones, but like a lot of these big upcoming hits are making it on Epic Store. And it's left me wondering, like, are they concerned? Are they structured to sort of fight back or are they weathering the storm? Well, isn't, it weird how,
2: isn't it weird how PC is now kind of having its own version of the console wars with yeah. these different store platforms that are now in competition? It was used to be Steam. Ran the roost, and I mean, it still obviously is the the number one platform. But yeah. Epic is coming on really strong. Oh, yeah. Obviously, EA will always um, be faithful to its own origin uh, platform. We're seeing yes. other storefronts. Uh, Beth- you know, Bethesda's got yeah. its own storefront. Blizzard, in a pl- uh, Ubisoft, own but own,
1: Ubisoft, all these goes different storefronts.
2: But that which are, and those games and, and those storefronts are typically just for their own, you know, uh, first party titles. Yes, um, but Epic is seems to be the one yeah. that is the most. Uh, emerging as most like yeah, a true
1: competitor to Steam, doesn't even have to be on the Unreal Engine, I guess, right? So, uh, not that I don't think Borderlands runs on that. Maybe. Why it does do you think they made a decision?
2: Been. Is it just because Epic Games uh, are Money. offering better terms?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So the big thing is, I forget if the cut is that Epic only takes ten percent versus thirty percent. I remember it's very aggressive. It's better than yeah, what Steam offers. Kind of funny. slash you're wrong, whatever that number was, but it's way better. And so financially, like every copy sold, uh, it's it's a big deal. I should take this moment to both disclose and plug. I make money on the Epic Store, so take my feedback on the platform as you will. Of course, you also can support me if you decide to pre-order Borderlands <laughs> by using code Mirabella That's why I love working with Kind of Funny, because... It, it, when I was at IGN, you got to be—I mean, you would disclose it, but you'd mostly be hands off on stories like this. Right. But truthfully, I'm happy to provide my commentary. How do you
2: make money on the Epic or... Games
1: Store? Oh, so it's a very small portion of revenue share on some games. So if you go ahead at no extra cost, you pre-order, save the $250 edition, then you, I get a small percentage. Do you have, like a referral link or something? Yeah. Okay, I get uh, it. So you use the code Fran Mirabella over there. All um, right. And you can get in there. And a lot All of right. kind of funny fans have been using it. Thank you. Seriously, it's a huge um, a step forward in supporting what I love doing. Here. but it is important disclosure, you do need to take the, you know, maybe take what I say with a grain of salt. That being said, I will say that the Epic Game Store has a long way to go. When you go into the store, man, you can't even alphabetize. And so oh, it's really? like the, the user experience is not great. It's it's just like a huge list of games because it went from like three to like you know Something hundred now. There's a ton whenever. on there, yeah. And then it's going to grow to a thousand. I have a feeling that an update's probably coming, but uh, but regardless, I mean they you, originally, I, I mean they originally built that thing just
2: to sell Fortnite, right? I mean that's all yeah, uh, it was for.
1: sort of. I mean it was used for some like mods and stuff when it comes to Unreal and whatnot, but um. But yeah. do, you, do you think it's going to emerge as a true competitor to Steam? Oh, yeah. Do you think Epic Games Store
2: and Steam will end up being like the Xbox and PlayStation of the PC world? In I terms think of it's the on a
1: platforms? very, very strong path right now. Um, if anyone's going then, to do it, it's these guys, right? Yes, and I say that because of just sort of the quality of um, like UI and experience that has been put into Fortnite, but also the fact that like Unreal Engine is so polished these days. They've yeah. got the resources. And they've got so many they,
2: people coming there just through yeah, Fortnite.
1: yeah. Um, And, you know, they've got the experience overall now on the marketing side and building stores and all that. I don't know if that's, you know, what they're building in terms of that, but no, like, Frankly, it's already on a pretty good path. But like any platform, it's very early. Steam, frankly, kills it with a lot of its features and you know searchability and all that stuff. But either way, the end of the day, you download Borderlands 3 and you can play it on there uh, up through April 2020 when presumably it'll head to Steam and maybe elsewhere. But importantly, back on Borderlands 3 info, in the trailer, uh, the gameplay uh, that was in there also introduces the Vault Hunter uh, players will take control, sorry, uh, the trailer is a show. This comes from tomorrow again. The trailer is a showcase of Borderlands 3 gameplay and also introduces the vault hunter players will take control of as they hunt for loot, uh, the legendary vaults, and take on the fanatical Calypso twins. All right, here are the hunters. This is sorry, that was the way it was worded was getting me. Among them is Mose the gunner, Amara the siren. FL-4K, the Beastmaster, and Zane, the Operative. So you do get a little bit closer of a look at these characters. Uh, Mose is able to summon a mech, which other players can mount. Amara can summon Ethereal Arms to brawl um, using FL-4K. Con- no, this is weird. This is like this. this, this is, is weirdly it, written. It really is. I'm having trouble reading through It's funny, I read the story, but uh, clearly I didn't say it out loud. So... Uh, Anyway, Amara can summon Ethereal Arms to brawl, and uh, F. Uh, who is this fourth one? FL FL4K. Which I guess are
2: you supposed to read that as
1: Flak? Oh yeah, I guess it's Flack. Good, good lead speaker. Just Flack but
2: this is weird. It says Flak controls beasts as his class name implies. What does that mean? Does he uh, have
1: a because it's Flack the Beastmaster. Oh, Flack the Beastmaster. Which was Be- not oh, included right, okay, in that. Got movie, it, yeah. got it, got it. Sorry, everybody. Uh, there was a lot of news today, actually, so I should have taken a little closer look at it. So, Flack the Beastmaster controls Beast, as his name implies, and Zane is very handy. So, those are the four main Hades. character types
2: that you can choose between. Okay. Yeah,
1: the Vault Hunters. And, uh, you know, you can head over for more and check that out um, in the trailer. And then also the the Calypso twins are who you're going up against. So watch the trailer, check it out, and you can find more there. Are you excited? Are you a Borderlands person? No, I'm just getting into it. So Greg and I might be hopping on tonight. I understand that he's played a for lot. The, for the Game of the Year version? Yes. So okay Borderlands Game of the Year, I've never played it uh, at all. And you'd be surprised maybe given like all the looter, you know, shooter right. type games I play. It sort of set the standard and is beloved. It sold something on the order of, uh, I think it's 40 million copies or something between all the franchise uh, sales. Yeah. And as I often say on the show, it was just a matter of time. I never really made enough time for it and sunk so much time into other games and I kind of regret it now. Well, this is is your opportunity. I know. And actually, I was thinking it's a good parallel to also how I fell behind on the Avengers movies uh, and the whole Marvel Universe movies, I should say. But I'm in this unique position where I'm cramming everything in now, right? Watching it right before endgame comes out so it's all fresh and when an event happens just months away in the storyline of these movies i didn't have to wait years to see it um, i'm watching it compressed, and that's what i'm thinking about for borderlands i'm going to get to play these in succession so what i'd say is if you missed borderlands it's a pretty cool opportunity to head over and like Put all these together and lead up to Borderlands. I know right. that the games overall they hold up pretty well.
2: And there's one other so. big. There's other, I just saw at the bottom of the page. Here, another yes. big aspect of Borderlands Three, which is very interesting to me, because mm-hmm. this is a personal a subject that I um, have a lot of thoughts about. This yeah. is interesting. Yeah, do you the, want, uh, do you want the, to read it? Well, okay. Uh, oh, jeez. I'm not... I'm not <laughs> I can't have you up. I'm not, <laughs> not qualified to to, uh, to host the tour, but let's see. Um, the headline is Borderlands 3 supports cross-platform co-op, according to the Microsoft Store.
1: Yes. Uh, the listing for
2: Borderlands 3 on Microsoft Store page, so does that mean it would also be available on the Microsoft Store, not just on the Epic Store?
1: Uh, That is probably just for the Xbox version, though. So for oh, PC, right, okay, yeah, 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 of, yeah, course,
2: yeah. of course, of so course. It's just for the uh, Xbox It claims version. that the game will support cross-platform co-op. So far in the game's short but loud marketing campaign, developer Gearbox has yet to say anything about cross-platform play, and yet here it is in black and white under the Capabilities section of the Microsoft store listing mm-hmm. uh, so uh, yeah I, I was about to go here it says chances are it more likely refers to co-op play between pc and xbox one which is already right. a common feature for microsoft
1: yes yeah, so like with sea of thieves uh, you can just cross play uh, gears of war supports it i believe forza so it's been a very common feature but for first party games um so for this one it could be so we don't know yet ign says it reached out to gearbox for comment that's where i picked up this story and hopefully it refers cross-platform but don't count on it yet because they've not confirmed it but i thought it was an interesting note that would be amazing and awesome and a huge strength obviously for the xbox community just you know it is a co-op game and so having that ability to cross-play would just be awesome and brilliant um, but we don't know if that's really going to come yeah from and you. it makes but sense I'm sure I'm as well because
2: it. you know in competitive play there's always the argument about pc people have an advantage because they've got superior uh, yeah. technology and the mouse is more accurate and all that stuff in co-op
1: though everyone's on the same team it's great yeah I mean, you might have a little more trouble aiming on the console. Yeah, than that. Yeah. I, I love console, by the way. People, I think, think I'm like a PC whore at this point, and that's not uh, that's not the case. I do love mouse and keyboard for shooters, but um, I've been playing Division Two on console. You know, it's fine. When You're you playing just... on PlayStation, right? Yep. Okay. On PS4. Oh yeah, I know. We know this I too know, well because I, I know, see Gary's well. at the end game as as am I, and we're both I wish in we the could end play, game, but we
2: can't team up. Yeah, we I can't know. Team up. It this
1: was is t- t- the whole problem. I say it once again, I really wish they would solve
2: it. I wish they could find a way for us to all play together. Like a Division Two is a great example. Like half of my friends are on Xbox, half of my friends are on PlayStation. I had to make a choice, and I had to leave half of my friends yep. out in the cold. If I'd have gone to PlayStation, I would have missed playing with my Xbox friends. Either way, I'm screwed. So I yep. wish they would find a way to get past. Yeah, I mean, that. this
1: is entirely the problem. Like we're all way too familiar with it at this point. Sony is getting the bra- of the blame, uh, where Xbox is out there, Phil Spencer has said many times, "is like let's do it." Uh, and you see, Xbox is sort of going anywhere. They're kind of taking that broader approach. I mean, how do you feel about crossplay? And like, does do you think that it's understandable that PlayStation is still like we're not going to allow it? Um, you know, where do you stand on the whole crossplay issue? Well, I guess
2: I guess they just they just I guess from Sony's point of view, they're in such a dominant position. I guess they're I, I guess they like who cares? Like we we don't need it. Um, I just I, I, from from a from a consumer perspective like I said all I know is whenever whenever a game comes out a multiplayer game comes out on multiple platforms I have to make a choice of who, which friends I'm going to play with and which friends are going to be left out in the yeah. cold. And I hate that. And exactly. I, I wish they could just, whatever technical marketing problem, I wish they could just, everyone could just get around a table and say, look, this doesn't harm anybody. It makes it, it makes it better for consumers all around. Why don't we just all agree to make this work? Yeah. And it's better for everyone. So yep. I understand there are technical challenges, but just fucking sort them out because I'm for- tired of having to choose which friends I get to play with.
1: It, exactly. I mean, I figured you'd fall into the sane category. Uh, sort of obvious camp which is like why do we have to keep putting up with this. Um, we remember at the Game Awards they got on stage. Uh, what was it, Reggie? Uh, yeah. at The time and uh, was it Sean Layden? Right. Yeah. And, they had all uh, the big Phil, boys up there. Yeah. They all got up and said, You're we're committed to a brighter future." <laughs> it was like work together. It, it was sort of like, "All right, we'll get up there and just sort of have a positive message for gaming," but that nobody really like committed 100% to do. And AI. Fortnite has shown that it is possible. It is. Many developers talk about it's a flick of the switch. Now it's never quite that. But frankly, we're led to believe. I think a lot of times that it's very complicated, but
2: companies need to. You know, the 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 people at Microsoft and PlayStation just basically need. It's less to do with the technical problem, which I'm sure I'm not an expert, but I'm sure it's solvable. It's more to do with the companies having the political will to do it. They've got to decide it's something they want to do. It's.
1: I mean, I hate to keep throwing them under the bus, but truthfully, it does seem that Sony is one of the bigger, biggest blockers. Like they're just they're. They're stymieing everybody by saying we're just not interested in discussing it. I mean, they say they are, but everybody who's sort of a pl- applied to discuss it does not really get responses from Sony. You
2: see, as, as long as say. Sony's in a market-leading position,
1: yeah, they, they, it's they
2: not are. in their interest, may, maybe not less in their interest than, say, Microsoft's interest to open those doors up because one of the arguments they can make is, well, hey, in the market for a console, you should buy a PlayStation because most of your friends yeah. are on PlayStation, most likely, because we've sold many more consoles. If, if the cross-play uh, issue would have happened, and everyone and, and everyone could play with everyone.
1: That's one less argument that Sony gets to make. Yeah, maybe maybe that's yeah. the way they look at it. I don't know. Maybe. So I hope this story comes true. The more I think about it, wouldn't that be amazing and really show how committed Microsoft is? Is if it's selling on Epic Store, it's not available on the PC Xbox Store for PC, which they do all the time, I guess. But still, it's not available and it's available of course on Xbox and they say you know what you can cross play We're like yeah that's exactly what we need right now so I'm fully i i, I I'm
2: I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think this rumor is true and I think there will <sighs> be PC Xbox cross play because again there's no technical barrier to it we know they can do it uh, it's a major title it's in Microsoft's interest it's it's part of their overall strategy the whole play anywhere thing yes um I think they will do it I think you'll see I think you will see it Xbox and PC uh, Borderlands, Borderlands Three players playing yeah, together. I'm
1: getting like tingles thinking about it. You just <laughs> seriously like we really need it. Uh, and that like if I could play on PC and play with you, that would just be incredible.
2: Well, I think uh, everybody wants to see those walls come down. I'm surprised every time I because I've I've spoken about this crossplay show on the show before, and every time it comes up, I always see a bunch of people in the comments saying, eh, who cares about crossplay?" I don't understand why. I don't know. Like, don't you want don't you want to have more friends to play with? Yeah. Why Why, why would you support that kind of segregation?
1: Yeah, I think that when people say that, one, they actually forget about just plain old matchmaking, like having a bigger pool to matchmake from is going to be a better thing. But two, of course, like maybe you don't have friends that are on other platforms, but a lot of other people do. And so it's huge for those two reasons alone. Um, It it should be the standard. So all right, let's move on to the next story. This is a big Uh, one. This next one. Oh, man. It is literally a big story. This was the,
2: this was the, this the biggest story, story yesterday. Yes. It's huge.
1: One of the biggest stories of the year. Obviously, Anthem has seen a troubled release. Critics sort of uh, caught in the middle of what was it supposed to be something. Feels kind of there, but not, um, you know, somewhere in the five to six Have range. Have you been playing Anthem at all? Yeah, I mean, what's, not what's really been, recently. What's but been your
2: own experience
1: with it? Is it? I actually simple? reviewed it. Uh, yeah, oh, I ended okay. up doing a review. It's my first YouTube review that I've done. Okay. Um, but anyway, I landed on a 6.8 out of 10 was my okay. review. I, I kept my old standard of reviews that I okay. did many years at IGN. Um, But yeah, I said it has potential, uh, which was interesting in the story they talk about. The studio apparently felt that way too. Um, The short but did, version did it, But was, did it feel to you like something that was oh, kind of yeah. half-baked? I, at it's, release? It's, it's somewhat... It's, a lot of reviewers are, are reading this report, and we'll get into it, uh, some 19 uh, sources that Jason Trier over at Kotaku had saying that it had all sort of studio issues and morale issues um, and direction issues. Uh, but there's a lot of reviewers out there, I think, who are like, I knew I knew something was off. And oh, that, yeah. That's what I felt. I mean, yes, it's sort of obvious, I think, given your reaction, like, well, yeah, something was off. But it's not, I still stand by, like, it's not a bad game people came out this end of like it's bad it's not like 100% bad it's that it is misdirected and that there's these pieces that feel half baked so that's why a lot of people end up in the middle and are like I love the flying and I actually love uh, one of the strongholds in particular I'm like this is what we want and you read through the story and you realize that's what apparently was happening at the studio they had these pieces that kept shape-shifting and directions that were just all over. So let's, let's get into it. Get here's, into the nitty-gritty. Here's what I'm going to do on this. The story is huge. So head over to kotaku.com, uh, and you can pause this yeah, the show f- if you the f- want. F- the, first first thing
2: I, the first thing that I would recommend that people do is go read the story, because yeah, it is a but, fantastic piece of journalism and a very, very interesting read. Yeah, or like I said, it's a
1: really long piece, but I was riveted the whole way through. I read uh, the whole thing. Exactly. But, you know, I can still sum it. Well, let's sum it first uh, before you leave the show and head over there. But... um <laughs> But so there's been a lot of Anthem developers on the record, at least uh, not by name, but anonymously with Jason. Sure, You said
2: nineteen current and former Bioware uh, employees were were, uh, were uh, Jason spoke to. That's a yeah. that's a lot of sources.
1: So yeah, what since the story's so long and you read a ton of it, I read a ton of it. I probably won't read every detail, but let me read the opening lines here that I thought were interesting. Fans have speculated endlessly how to Anthem went so awry. Was it originally a single-player role-playing game like Bioware's previous titles? Did EA force Bioware to make a Destiny clone? Did they strip out all the good missions to sell later as DLC? Is the loot system secretly driven by an elaborate AI system that keeps track of everything you do so you can uh, spend more money in the game and in the store? The answer to all those questions is no. So I thought that opening was really actually succinct. There's a lot of conspiracy theories of the the men with the black hats and the alleyways that are out there, um, sort of. Yeah, a lot, these of the, a lot of the
2: conspiracy theories that that, um, that surrounded the game when it first came out, and obviously it had, had a very troubled release. Yep. Uh, while not true, the actual story
1: behind while why the game uh, has struggled is just as fascinating. Yes. So let me read just this one short paragraph and then I think we just dive dive into it. Uh, So one of the paragraphs here was, perhaps the most alarming about Anthem is, it's a story about a studio in crisis. Dozens of developers, many of them decade-long veterans, have left BioWare over the past two years. Some who have worked at BioWare's longest-running office in Edmonton talk about depression and anxiety. Many say their co-workers had to take a stress leave, quote, um, and a doctor-mandated period of weeks or even months worth of vacation for their mental health. One former BioWare developer told uh, Jason that they would frequently find a private room in the office, shut the door, and just cry. People were so Uh, This is a quote, people were so angry and sad all the time. Another one said, depression and anxiety are an epidemic within BioWare. So this was like, I feel like the heart of, how bad it got, but there's a ton more info. I mean, so it,
2: feel, it feels like as much a story about the develop. there's a story about the the development of a troubled project, but also a bigger story about a kind of more existential story about a studio in crisis and 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 the the problems that are often endemic to building these massive massive games and the human cost in terms of crunch and emotional, uh, you know, what's what's the emotional psychological cost of being, of of working every hour God sends on a game that no one knows, the, the, the problem seems to be uh, there was a number of problems. Technical issues but the, big, the biggest, if you ask me to kind of dissect this article and come up with yeah, what what did my main you glean away? was the overview. Lack of direction mm-hmm. for the longest time. You know, Casey Hudson who was a senior figure at Bioware um, and I believe was the guy that kind of originally said, hey, let's make this game, which at the time was called yeah. Beyond and eventually uh, became yes, known as Anthon. it
1: codenamed or no, it was going to be called Beyond. Dylan. Well, Dylan was the codename. Co- they were going to release as Dylan, it as yeah. Beyond
2: they couldn't get clearances for it so they came up with Anthem. Right instead. before A3. Yeah. And everyone was like, why are we calling it Anthony? It doesn't mean anything. Yeah,
1: they named it's something they didn't even know before the E3 reveal. Like, that's how sort of uh, crazy the ride is.
2: The biggest, the biggest, most existential problem that, that emerged from the article that I could tell was that nobody seemed to know for the longest, longest time what the what game was they were even making. Like, what's the vision? Yeah. Uh, are we flying around? Are we not? There were versions where they were flying, versions where they were not Climbing flying.
1: Climbing mountains was the, the, like... The, the mission the structure kept
2: changing, and no, it seemed like nobody in senior management... Was capable of making a decision. Like so at some point, somebody, you know, you have you have a big meeting. They described a lot. They said one of a very common type of meeting was everyone would get together, talk about missions, talk about flying, talk about game design, talk about narrative, talk about mythology, talk about all these key issues. And then at the end of the meeting, nothing would be decided and the meeting would just break up and no one was any the wiser. Yeah. Where at some point, someone's got to say, a person in, in the authority has got to say, this is the vision, this, this is, is the origin, this is the game we're making. Yeah, yeah. we're not climbing mountains, didn't we're going to make about, a jet
1: set game. And that but,
2: didn't happen until about a year before launch it was only with about a year to go for a game that was in development for six or seven years only with only within like the last 12 to 14 months did they know what they were doing which is crazy yeah
1: yeah i think that's a a pretty good summation of what happened was a lot of it seemed to be spending a bunch of time prototyping there was general excitement about what it could be before it was even called anthem and the whole concept that that I can see there's the spark of it, but certainly it's been lost, was that you would you know, go out on a mission, and they want to pull levers. That's where we're still waiting and, and seeing if they're going to pull these live weather server levers and stuff, but they, what they wanted to do was create a game where you would go out into the world, and suddenly, boom, you get sacked with a snowstorm. You're in the middle of a blizzard with your team, and you're going into the heart of, whatever, a volcano, and you get in there, you fight those enemies, and you try to make it back. And you're just trying to survive. And you're right? trying that to survive like as a team, and that's what a Apparently was the hook that everybody was Which excited. Which sounds great. About. I would. I would have signed on for that. It's a good elevator pitch. Yeah, and the whole team did. They were excited about it. As it started to evolve, and they started to prototype, and that's where, as you talk about it, and allegedly, but they say they got trapped in meetings, and well, decisions these, were made, and, 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 and they
2: talked about these key moments where, like, they finally delivered a build of the game to Patrick Soderlund, who at the time was a very that. senior figure at EA, uh, kind of now like a, a god, by the way, a kind of a godlike figure. Um, and they showed him the build, and he said, I don't like this. Do something. He, 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 back to the drawing board. Yeah. And so they had to go back and completely, completely reinvent the game. And I think at that point, they put flying back in. And again, it's a, okay, so the best thing to do is re, It's a fast. Jason did a great job. It's brilliantly written, brilliantly researched. A trimid, I would say this kudos to Jason Schreier for what is, I think, one of the better pieces of like investigative journalism oh, yeah. in gaming that I've read in a really, really long time. It, Fascinating piece. So anyone who's worked on a I, I tweeted about this yesterday. Anyone who's worked on a big troubled project mm-hmm. reads this and finds it very harrowing but also very relatable because we've all yeah. been there where you know people keep moving the goal posts and are we making this or are we making that? And it's 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 not uncommon. Uh, I think that I, I imagine that yesterday when this story broke, developers at every major studio in the in the business read this and went, I recognize that I recognize that I recognize yeah. that, you know, m- mismanagement from the top, lack of vision, lack of direction. Nobody wants to make a decision. We keep getting the people keep moving the goalposts. We, we don't know what we're doing. Um, it's, it's not uncommon. It's just what happened here is a combination of a very, 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 very high profile example of it, because it was a big launch from a major developer. And it's now been very, very. Um, Uh, Forensically dissected for all to see.
1: Yeah. And there's, you know, there are updates coming still. Uh, We're waiting on a new Stronghold to be released. Uh, They're big raid-like event is supposed to come out in May. I mean, I really hope they hit these marks but maybe going back to that for just a second, um, have you been part of big projects that have, you know, you felt were like super troubled and like who you Yeah, I mean, I work work in Hollywood so, yeah, yeah, I mean (laughs) hint, hint, I was just like, I I don't know share maybe a little... Yeah, I'm not gonna go into into
2: any details, but I've worked on a a bunch of projects like this where, you know, big studio movie and there's so much money on the line, there's a lot of risk aversion, people are afraid to make a mistake Mm -hmm. and it leads Leads to a kind of paralysis where people don't want to make a decision. Uh, I've seen I've seen that happen who, many times.
1: Who do you blame though? Can you blame anyone? Is it the sort of top? Executives? It always comes from the top. It, you, it is their fault because they didn't set the course. Is that yeah, absolutely. Is the and,
2: and 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 Jason's piece is a perfect a perfect example of that. If you look at uh, the you know look at those nineteen different sources that all gave quotes, they all tell look look this isn't made up. Nineteen different people all told the same story. Mm-hmm. They're all singing from the same hymn sheet, and that was. <laughs> Um, people wouldn't make a decision like you said Jason says in the story that one of the one of the more common anecdotes that he heard was these epic meetings where people would get together to talk about some major issue and the meeting would would break up without any resolution and and, and no one comes away with any more clarity on what the vision for the game is than when they went in Um, and you know Another another big uh, piece of this that emerged which I thought was fascinating was the problems that they have with the frostbite engine. Yes Uh, Really really interesting. So you know when EA bought dice one of the big company wide decisions they made was well, we're gonna take the Frostbite engine and that's essentially gonna be our in that's gonna be our in company Unreal or Unity or whatever. These, this, this is the development yeah, tool that everyone's gonna use. FIFA uses Epic. it. Like all the EA games essentially I think that, I'm sure there are some yeah. examples, but all of the big EA games are developed from the Frostbite yeah, engine. Yeah,
1: mandated. You need to use Frostbite, so get it was, on get with the program. So
2: it was mandated and, and I understand the point of that. Like, you know, you don't have to pay for a licensing fee it's for unreal or anything. Savings. You save a lot of money. In theory. Have, and you can you can share knowledge between different studios because they're all they're all on the same page in terms of the, the technology and the tools they're using. But in in, in but you know an, an engine is not necessarily always um, a Swiss Army knife for any kind of project that you want to yeah, do. Yeah,
1: because it was developed. <laughs> for DICE for Battlefield right. I mean and that's now, what and, it's
2: for and they and you know the whole the whole point of Anthem was built around the idea you can fly around in these Iron Man type suits as they as again as the article points out many developers said the Frostbite engine was just not suitable for the kind of game they wanted to make so it took them way way longer think, if they were developing the game or Unreal or some tool that they had built specifically for the development of Anthem yeah, things Zorro that would Fox have taken maybe an yeah. hour were taking days
1: Yeah, and that was killing them yeah apparently it led to so much frustration and like that is something that I have. Have seen happen a lot is that when you end up on an engine, and we even heard tales that you know Bungie, although it created its own stuff, ended up in a similar situation with Destiny. They created this engine that couldn't quite support the vision, and then it would take forever to work through issues. And so that becomes a for designers, then it becomes a frustration just to get anything done. Um, what I thought was really interesting, though, that uh, you know, if true, there was a note in there about how. The team got assigned to FIFA, the team right. that was very familiar with Frostbite, according to the report, for a period of time because that was the biggest game, uh, makes so much revenue. So they say, you know what, we need you to spend your time on that. So that's where you do get a little bit into corporate overlord decisions. That's one of the problems with like,
2: working at a major company like EA. We yeah, have all these they strip resources. With games. They had a bunch of people working on Anthem that were probably the most. Um, uh, familiar and the most expert at using frostbite, uh, but suddenly FIFA needs those people yeah. because FIFA is so a massive franchise. So they, they lose those people and they're exactly. struggling even more. And and round and round it goes. And um, I just thought I, I, I in reading this again as as fascinating as I thought it was. I, it, the article just made me feel really sad because I felt I, I really feel for these developers.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have some questions at the end of the show that I think we can get into that um, a bit more. Do you
2: want to talk about Bioware's somewhat tone deaf response as Perfect well to
1: all of this? Segue. So Bioware, uh, it ruffled their feathers so much that they felt compelled to actually make a statement. You normally don't see this, but you know, with 19 sources, um, they felt compelled to make a response, which they
2: put out without even reading Jason's article. Did you didn't notice that it came out like right as the article came out? I think what happened was Jason... Jason went, said Jason, publishing. In, I think Jason, in doing his well, due diligence, went to EA and Bioware and said, hey, we're running this story. Do you have a comment? And this is what they did.
1: Good point. We don't know what Jason sent them, though, right? The detail of... Right. They probably... I don't know if he would have sent them the whole story. No, I well not yeah, know Jason said a reporter. Jason said
2: that they made that statement
1: without having read the article. Interesting. So yeah, I guess he knows that they came out with it so fast. Well, right. that I did not know that. So that's... Something else, he obviously had told them we've got a bunch of people saying that morale was terrible, etc. Yeah, yeah. So here's what BioWare, BioWare had to say. I do wanna read this full thing. Um, BioWare posted, we'd like to take a moment to address an article published this morning, this was yesterday, about BioWare and Anthem's development. First and foremost, we wholeheartedly stand behind every current and former member of our team that worked on the game, including leadership. It takes a massive amount of effort, energy, and dedication to make any game, and making Anthem would not have been possible without every single one of their efforts. We chose to not comment or participate in this story because we felt there was an unfair focus on specific team members and leaders who did their absolute best to bring this totally new idea to fans. Uh, We didn't want to be part of something that was attempting to bring them down as individuals. We respect them all, and we built this game as a team. We put a great emphasis on our workplace culture in our studios. The health and well-being of our team members is something we take very seriously. We have built a new leadership team over the past couple years, starting with Casey Hudson as our general manager in 2017, which has helped us make big steps to improve studio culture and our creative focus. We hear the criticisms that were raised by the people in the piece today and we're looking at the and we're looking at that alongside feedback that we receive in our internal team surveys. We put a lot of focus on better planning to avoid quote unquote crunch time and it was not a major topic of feedback in our internal postmortems. Making games, especially new IP, will always be one of the hardest entertainment challenges. We do everything we can to try and make it healthy and stress-free, but we also know there is always room to improve. As a studio and team, we accept all criticisms that will come our way for all games we make, especially from our players. The creative process is often difficult. The struggles and challenges of making games are very real, but the reward of putting something we created into the hands of our players is amazing. People in this industry put so much passion and energy into making something fun. We don't see the value in tearing down one another or one another's work. We don't believe articles that... We don't believe articles... That, that do, do that. that are, a there's down. a comma missing there, in my right. opinion. We don't believe articles that do that are making our industry better in uh, craft better. Uh, work. Sorry, I can't read today, apparently. Our full focus is on right. our players and continuing to make Anthem everything it can be for our community. Thank you to our fans for your support. We do um we do what we do for you
2: so, so this is a classic example of 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 uh you know a little bit of pr crisis
1: management which it seemed to actually make the situation worse because this statement has not been well received yeah as well especially jason apparently saying it was like i know they couldn't have read all that because right. as you know it takes like an hour to read that uh, you seem to be confirming that he didn't. Send well, it takes it. an
2: hour. It would take an hour just to read the article, yeah. and then at some and he point you send to, it to them. No one, people don't bash this out. You sit around in a room and say, like, what's the statement going to be? And the Yo, statement has yeah. to be approved so they, by senior people. It takes yeah. a while to put this stuff yeah, together. For all
1: we know, it was twenty four hours. It was right. overnight. That's normally what I would say. Right. I've seen. Yeah. He probably sent it the night before or whatever. Yeah. Uh, give them a little bit of so time. So
2: this, this was written, I think, without having read the article but knowing enough about it and anticipating what the tone was going to be to put together
1: cuz you know this is a very general. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't address specific Yeah, um, I'd be curious things. what Jason sent them. Uh, he's usually pretty transparent about stuff like that. It'd be cool if he I don't know if he's already said so, but if we knew what he said. Either way, what I can read into this uh is yes, they're they're trying to cite internal team surveys as wait, this doesn't line up. And yes, you have people talking about uh, being in a room and being depressed and crying like yes frankly you are hearing from some of the people that maybe had it worst, but we don't know what all 19 sources were like and what they're composed of 19 is a lot it's not a small number it'd be different if it was like two or three people right? and you'd be like these were the angry people that didn't have a good time and maybe there's some credence to that but like it's hard to get a full scope of measure but this is 19 people so it is quite a few um, and I think a lot of it lines up with what we're seeing but you know when they take a team survey and they said well that doesn't add up what I can say is I've seen Big company team surveys, and unfortunately, you know they're just not a perfect system. They they do sometimes bury um, the exact data because everything gets boiled down to some average and you know when you have people that that maybe weren't as core to maybe the experience or whatever it was like voting highly and so on like it can get diluted so i feel like maybe they have not heard honestly enough and well, i'll be honest too in surveys like this sometimes you get people worried that frankly those submission forms are not as anonymous as you think and so right. you have employees that are worried so like who knows how the survey went, but they did cite it here saying everything's not quite the same, but who knows? Maybe they're not hearing the true story internally yet. I mean, it seems a little bit like I mean the statement does strike me as a little bit defensive, which I guess is part of
2: its, its job is to put their side and defend themselves. Uh, the part that got highlighted uh, uh, by Jason when uh, when he responded to this was. Um, this whole business of uh, we don't see the value in tearing down one another and others work. We don't believe mm. articles that do that are making our industry craft better. So they're kind of accusing the article of having some kind of malicious intent yeah. or being kind of a hit piece. So I didn't get
1: that sense no, from No, I get the opposite, which, right, is, I think, we're on the I, same I felt
2: like it was shining a, a light on... It's, it, How it, challenging and I, it I, is. I didn't come away thinking like anyone in particular was the villain, right? It wasn't like this, it was this guy's fault or that guy's fault. Yeah. It does seem that in general, because again, the problems are the problems always come from the top. the people on you know in the trenches are looking to the people above them for vision yeah. and guidance and direction. Generals, and if the they're not getting that, there's the nothing they can do.
1: Right, but but that is who the articles point to. So maybe right. that's where the statement's coming from, and it right. probably is. They're feeling obviously attacked. They're like, wait, like I thought we we didn't. They're probably sitting there. Well, I didn't sit in the room and do nothing. You know, uh, there's more to the story, and so maybe this is the side that we're getting back, unfortunately. And that's why part of me believes that they're not hearing. from fully and honestly from their team because it was really hard and especially now even like it's sort of spilled milk like what do you do at this point like um, do you put your job in jeopardy by saying yeah it really sucked I don't like this creative director um, so I don't know what well I think some people that have a if you have
2: a terrible time on a game and you have an opportunity if a journalist comes along and gives you the opportunity to vent you might well take it if, which is if, why exactly. Jason obviously had no shortage of sources for this piece
1: yeah. and you can see the passion was there the spark was there they, they said they believed it in the beginning in fact they were very excited so maybe that's that's the that is why it's an interesting story they were very invested in it and there was something there um something i still sense within it even though it didn't come out right and so i think that yeah, is the and value this, of this story. I'm a,
2: and i'm actually very so for someone who's worked on both sides of the fence you know i used to be a journalist now i work on the creative side making the things that get criticized and other yeah. subjects of journalism um you know, like Rogue One had its problems in mm-hmm. development, and you know we saw a lot of coverage of that. And I sat there reading a lot of it, going, "This, art, this is not accurate. That's not what actually." And I'm not in a right. position to go away and rebut it, but like I'm sitting there, going, "Like these guys don't know what they're told. They weren't in the room. They don't know what really yeah. happened." Um, but for the most part, I read the article, and first of all, first of all, it tracks. Doesn't the article tracks perfectly with the experience that game players have been having? Right. Yeah. You see the problems in the game. You read the article. Yeah. I totally see up. how this led to that. That this troubled development could have resulted in the game that actually released it. All tracks. It all makes sense um, But again, I, I feel like this I, I do feel like this was a worthwhile story I don't think it necessarily villainized anyone in particular I think that like I said beyond, you got to look at this beyond just the story of Anthem. Anthem is one very very high-profile example of this But it is maybe I think worthwhile looking at the story um, as a as a as a broader example of this is what it, this is what it's often like making AAA games at a major major studio. Yeah. These are the problems. It's not it, it's not like a Willy Wonka chocolate factory making these games where everyone's <laughs> having a wonderful time. Yeah. It's not a fun it's factory. It's really fucking word. hard. And there's politics and there's division and there's 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 personal there's tough personality choices, clashes, mean, yeah. and there's huge billions of dollars on the line and shareholders are demanding. You know, one of the problems they had was they had to release. It mentioned many times in the article the game had to be released before the end of the financial year yeah. uh, 2019. Yeah. And so, you know, even though they would, I'm sure the developers at BioWare, if EA had said, look, when do you want to release it? They would have said, give us another six yeah, months or they a year, probably and then it was saying, no, 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 you've got to release yeah. it now, because our shareholders demand, yeah. you know, some well, kind of performance. And to
1: be fair, it had been in pre-production since, whatever, 2012, or right. so. Like, even though it didn't in earnest start hitting its stride till whatever it was, 20 you know, 15, 16, but anyway, lots of detail in that story. Again, Kudos to Jason Trier. Awesome reporting. Check out the article. Uh, It's a great piece. And that is the highlight. I don't think it tears down the team that's there. I think there's a story to be learned, which is how can you... Get this feedback sooner. How can you make decisions sooner? Maybe um, obviously, that's a story that developer through many decad- developers of many decades could tell you. Like it's not as easy. That's like a forehead comment. Do
2: you think the anthem will eventually come good in the way that destiny? Like it's well, it's, it's, it's become quite a, t- a typical story now, hasn't it? Like destiny, Diablo three, all these games. Yeah, division like the, they have trouble. Division. They lo- division two's actually had a very is actually in better shape than most yeah, of these live games. Um, but typically, like destiny is a great example, right? It launched. It had a lot of problems, but then after about a year with yeah. the expansion, thing, it, got, it got into, into a good place.
1: Too. Do you think Anthem will eventually end up in a good place? It's hard to say after reading the story, but I, I really would judge the next few months. I would have a better answer after that. But uh, again, I think we might I, have some questions at the, the end. One, the one, the one
2: positive thing about it is, I understand that, it, that it's despite all its problems, mm-hmm. it sold very, very, very well. And so the fact that it's shifted so many copies and has so many players—I don't know how many people are still playing—but yeah, they sold I, a lot of copies. Incentivizes EA to not just abandon this game. I, like, mean, I think they have to continue. It's interesting, isn't it? There's like, they we,
1: said they're sticking with it. I mean, they have players They have to. You can't content. abandon this. Well, I mean, game. they have uh, episodes that are coming. So right. But let's let's. There's so much detail on Anthem. I do want to you know, move on to some of the next stories. We might have some questions about Anthem okay. towards the end anyway. You could talk um, about Anthem all day. It's just so interesting. Oh, I, you know, the Frantham. I'm all the about Frantham. it. And that's where we've gone with today's show. So that's, throw all your hands up.
2: Frantham. That's, that's right. I love it.
1: Uh, so let, let's move on. to This one's really big and I know okay. it'll hit this home is a, This you. is a big one There's for been sure. a leak today and uh, hopefully no new developments in the past, you know, 45 minutes but uh, Persona 5 may have been inadvertently confirmed for Switch. Of course, there was a teaser the other day for this PS4 um, Persona 5S? Yes. uh, This website that was up. But here's the story. This is by Matt Perslow over at IGN. U.S. retailer Best Buy has listed a Switch release of Persona 5, as well as a Metroid Prime trilogy and The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past, only on its internal internal staff-only database, according to leaks on Twitter. And then photographs of computer screens displaying the database are the source of the leak, which images were... uh, uh, were posted by user GRU731 on Imager and then spread across Twitter by Mystic, uh, Mystic Distance on Twitter, um, a translator who specializes in Persona. The image was then corroborated by Wario64, who you've heard many times on this show. And uh, Wario64 went on to upload mobile screenshots from Best Buy system, showing listings for Metroid Prime Trilogy and Zelda, a link to the past. So it's a large leak, but one that should be approached with caution. Persona 5 coming to Switch has long been rumored. And then there's this teaser up. So Gary, what do you make of all this?
2: I think I think Persona Five. I know that Barrett's got to get involved. You geez, Persona it's a subject yeah. close to his heart. Well, let's go to Barrett first because I, I know this is a big deal for you. What do What do you make of all this?
0: I I, I apologize to the audience for the last uh, couple months of my employment here, where I have been a naysayer of Persona Five coming to switch. Yeah, um, don't you so, feel? Oh, you stupid didn't think now. it was going to happen? Yeah, yeah tell Barrett. I was Barrett. convinced it. Was, Are you oh, ready to eat your God, hat God. yet? Now uh, you know who you, to trust. I've, I've eaten my words. as Okay. They say. Um, but I was convinced that Sony was not going to play ball. But it uh, it makes sense for something like this to happen, especially if what we expect the the Royal to be is kind of like um, kind of like a Persona Four Golden situation. It makes sense if Sony would let uh, an exclusive title go over to a different console if that title wasn't like the best version out, right? So if the Royal is kind of like the the better version of Persona Five, mm-hmm. like, and then they let per- the regular Persona Five go to Switch, like. I'm I'm so in So you okay. feel like this
2: is pretty much all but confirmed now Like it's going to yeah. happen Oh yeah Okay.
0: The, the, I'll the, the, you like like when 64 was corroborating with people I was like oh this is for real So I'm all excited right. And so, uh, Metroid Prime Trilogy has been rumored for Yeah, let's for talk a about the real time.
1: story here, right, people. Persona him. 5, we all love it. Metroid Prime, one of the greatest games of all time. And now, the chance that you can finally play the trilogy on Switch, that has got me excited. I don't want to move on too fast from Persona. I reviewed the original Metroid Prime. It is one of the all-time greats. It's one of the uh, just best-paced games. It was from an all-star team at Retro Studios. So, anyway... I. I'm excited about that one. Again, take it with a grain of salt. I mean, things like this are fabricated everywhere. That was day. Supposed to, on the Wii. took was a fake screenshot to get you convinced. Was I, Metroid Prime originally it. a Wii title? I'm uh, what's that? Was it Wii? Metroid Prime? No, it was GameCube. That's oh, how Game? far oh, back. Oh, wow. okay. Holy shit. That's how far back this goes. But you remember how Wii, we actually got the trilogy and right. released. I think, uh, oh, wait, was that Wii U? But anyway, uh, it went on to, you know, uh, span across the consoles. Well, that's exciting because we haven't the, seen it forever.
2: The thing about Persona 5 it will be nice to see it on Switch. You know it kind of takes it does kind of harken back to Persona 4 Golden playing on a handheld and that's cool And it's it, you know Persona 5 is such an amazing game that the more people that get to play it the better right. But it sounds like it will probably just be a straight port right?
0: I imagine probably. So, like I imagine with a- Whatever deal atlas was able to make with Sony because you, you know Sony was probably trying to hold on Persona 5 only being on PS4 Yeah, I would imagine whatever the switch version is it's just a straight port of uh, the original game and then you know Sony gets to keep the uh whatever the Persona 5 Royal uh, or What do Royale we know about edition. that? Is
2: that some kind of special edition? We
0: we haven't seen much there was like kind of a yeah. teaser trailer with more info coming later this month so we don't, don't know if it's an expansion or if it's like a new um New content coming to the original game we're not too sure yet so yeah i don't
1: know like i i mostly agree with what you're saying which is i'm sure that it's based largely on the stuff that's there i mean maybe there'll be some updates but i don't think like the game has been out for a while now like yeah. exclusives generally are only about a year or so i mean who's to say what sony did i mean with it, but... just
0: just to give context though like modern day person main Persona titles never leave Sony consoles, though. Like that, like, yeah, but that may have just been an
1: Atlas sales choice, not a Sony pay for Mm. or license. But Mm. regardless, I think we can now say we've. Firmly believe yeah. that it's coming to Switch. I coming mean, to I've, the switch. I've said for a long time with the fact that, you know, uh, what Joker's coming to Smash. Yeah. Like, it's something's been happening. So I always believed it. Uh, we just want to know what the date is. So, what, April 25th, I think is this. Now, when we're
0: getting more info.
1: That's more it's info more of this will be P5. Revealed on this 25th. Yeah, it's yeah. this P5S teaser thing that went up. Apparently so we don't know.
0: We're getting more info on the Royal on the 24th, uh, which is yeah. like the first day of their Con- Persona concert in Japan, I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the 20 Fifth, we're getting more info on whatever Persona 5S which is probably the Switch version. Okay, so
1: exciting news! Um, Metroid
2: Prime on Switch would be a big deal. So let's say if you're going all the way to GameCube, that would be a significant
1: graphical upgrade I mean it could be yeah well they had already like I said they did uh, the trilogy on uh, I'm pretty
0: sure it was Wii because if it was available on Wii U I would have played it the trilogy yeah it must have been
1: Wii then I was just trying to remember which one it came on but I mean Wii barely lasted Wii U barely lasted for three years or whatever but um, regardless uh, I think it would be a good conversion but uh, it'll be exciting because we're now waiting on Metroid Prime the next installment for which has now been sort of pushed back and put in the hands of a new developer
0: so the most interesting one I, I actually think is linked to the past Yeah, that's right. I'm glancing
1: over that, but it's, again, it's just sort of thrown in the system. It's hard to be sure of all of these things and when and where, but, like, frankly... What can
2: they really do with that? Because you're going all the way back to the Super Nintendo. Do you think it's just going to be the Super Nintendo game?
0: That's the weird question. Is like, is this, like, them planning to do, like, add Super Nintendo support to their online system? Is this them possibly doing a remaster like they're doing to Link's Awakening? Is this just, like, them selling the original game I... on Switch? There's a couple of different questions we, we have there, and I think it's... That's why it's the most interesting one, because, like, what's the... The, I don't yeah, know
1: that, that one stands out as weird to me because of the announcement of uh, Link's Awakening right. and it's a little too close to be like oh and by the way another Zelda yeah. So, like who, who's to say um, uh, could have been Play Solar. It, it, it's a little early but here's what we walk away from I think we all believe that Persona Five is coming to Switch. It's yep. just a matter of when. And we all believe that Metro Prime Trilogy is coming to Switch. So I'm not sure on the last one. It probably will down the road, but maybe it's. I can tell you what I would like. Here's,
2: here's my, my, my if, if Link to the Past is coming. This is what I would like it to be. Same game, mm-hmm. top down, 2D, uh, but complete, but completely remastered in with all new high definition graphics, oh, like orchestral it. soundtrack. You know, Ooh, bring it up to date, cool. but keep it true to what the original game was.
1: I like it. I would love that. Sounds soundtrack. good to me. I'm not going to argue with that. Yeah. Speaking of Switch games, a very fast news story here from uh, Nathan Onstott over at Game Informer that Nintendo did announce the three new games for Switch Online that are coming in April. And starting on April 10th, the catalog of NES games available as part of Nintendo Switch Online will reach 38. Three new games are joining that service that day. Super Mario Brothers The Lost Levels. Punch Out, featuring Mr. Dream and Star Soldier. So I just wanted... That was sort of a uh, fast and straightforward story, but wanted to get it in there. Are you fans of any of those games, Gary? Uh, Lost Level certainly.
2: I never was a big... um Uh, punch out guy in fact Mr. Dream I I only learned about this recently that you know because originally it was obviously Mike Tyson Tyson and then Mike Tyson had to go away because you know rapist and all that and so they they bring in so they brought in Mr. Dream and I guess they rebooted it and they put Mr. Dream in the Mike Tyson role yeah
1: exactly which for me is I was like what like whatever I guess I'll fight this new guy and that was the benefit but um, Star Soldier I don't know yeah, it's like a top down shooter okay. kind of thing. But either way, these are actually pretty solid titles, especially Lost Levels, very hard. Um, so, pretty excited about that stuff. But April 10th is so far away, Gary. <laughs> Where would I go if I wanted to know what is coming to Mom and Grop Shops today?
2: The original list of upcoming software across each and every platform, as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily show hosts, each and every weekday.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All like right. It. Out today is Borderlands Game of the Year. Oh, it's out today. Okay. Today. Great. That was the that was why they timed it, I think. All right, it's all on right. PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Bow to Blood. Uh Last Captain Standing. PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Shadowblade, Reload on Switch. Uh Terra Worm. Terra-worm? okay. It's yeah. on PC. Star Chef, cooking and restaurant game. <laughs> Sounds, can, we, can we pull not like, that, that it sound one, like Kevin? A I want to see star uh, Chef. Yeah, give me two seconds S- to look for it. Star it. chef cooking and
2: restaurant. Do you think game? you're running a, a, a? Do you think you're running a restaurant in space, or are you like a celebrity chef? Which one is it?
1: <laughs> I did. That's why. That's why I, I, I need to it know the in answer. Space. That's why I need to know the answer. I think answer. it's the way that I said it. It was like star chef. But if you say, "Here's in the thing." A world. This is why. This is why
2: is <laughs> so important. If you say star chef. Then it's a I restaurant think it's space. The, the, If you it's say the, star <laughs>
1: chef, it's not space. Then he's
2: a, he's a famous chef.
1: Oh, it's not in space. Oh man, star oh. chef would have been. That is such a. It's. I'm glad you caught that, Gary, because I was thinking of like Star-Lord Chef, and right. I, I've been watching a lot of, you know, Marvel and Guardians Galaxy. This is not quite what I expected. It's a little more on-the-nose. You know, it, it,
2: it's, it's still it's the a kind little, of game that I would play. I love these kind of little buildings. Yeah, you're serving tables, um, it's you know, on mobile already. Yeah, so.
1: but I would have much preferred if it was a space restaurant. Yeah, if you want to relive uh, some of those tough jobs that you had when you were 17. So that's on the PC, know, okay. Like, yeah, uh, Guide is coming to PC, and Super Dent Tennis Blast is coming to PC. So uh, a couple of new dates as well. Brief Battles will stage a Battle of the Butts on PlayStation 4. Xbox One and PC on May 7th, 2019. Greg prepared this for me. Um, is that real? What is
2: a Battle of the Butts? And,
1: like, what's going on? Greg prepared that one. And it's funny, as I very often I looked, I was like, Brief Battles changed to you know May 7th. Great. I didn't read the Battle of the Butts part. So uh, fill me in on that. Well, everybody.
2: I'm wondering if it says Battle of the Butts, is Brief Battles like a game where like underpants are fighting I think it's each an, other?
1: Is that what it is? Is it in space? And is it is in space. <laughs> that's, that's the question. That's the question. Uh, another one, Scorcery will launch exclusively on the PlayStation 4 on April 4th, 2019, just a couple days away. Uh, very quickly, the deals of the day. You want to check these out because pretty solid. This one's big. The Epic Store, which I mentioned before, you can support me. Fran Mirabella, the creator code. Uh, <laughs> I don't get anything for this one, though, because it's free. You can get Oxen Free for free. It's free. Uh, That's which a is good amazing. game, too. Yep. Head over to uh, epicgames.com slash store. Right now, I think it's the last day. Uh, you've you've seen it or heard about it or played it? What, free. Yeah. Yeah, I played it. It's fun. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah. Then it's free. It's normally 20 bucks. That's uh, an amazing Can't beat game. that price. You can't beat it. Uh, also, if you're into streaming and whatnot, uh, like myself, Elgato Stream Deck Controller uh, is on sale for 119 at GameStop. Uh, usually it's about 149 So go over there and check that out. So we're going to get in a reader mail in just a second. You can write in patreon.com slash games as always where you can get the show ad free as well. Uh, but speaking of ads, this episode of Kind of Funny Games is brought to you by... Twenty three and Me. Uh, I want to just point out for starters, I use Twenty three and Me, so I'm going to read through a little bit of uh, this stuff, but I would like to share a couple things about it as well. With Twenty three and Me's health and ancestry service kit, you can explore 125 plus personalized genetic. Uh, reports that may reveal your link between your DNA and your health traits and more, including your chances of developing certain diseases. 23andMe recently released their newest health report on type 2 diabetes, which tells you your genetic likelihood for developing the disease and gives you personalized results and tools that could help with prevention. Diabetes is growing public health challenge. <clears throat> diabetes is a growing public health challenge. One in three adults in the United States has pre-diabetes, but 90% of those with pre-diabetes don't know they have it. Type 2 diabetes is influenced by genetics. It is not just lifestyle and weight. Type 2 diabetes uh, is a condition that typically develops as we get older and is caused by many factors, including diet, lack of proper exercise, weight gain, and our genes. 23andMe's Type 2 Diabetes Report offers insight into your genetic likelihood for developing type 2 diabetes and powers you with the personalized results and tools that may help you prevent disease. The report was developed by 23andMe scientists using data and insights gathered from more than 2.5 million 23andMe customers who consented to participate in the research. Um I used it. Now, I saw a note that Greg used it and found out where his ancestors came from. I used it. It was really awesome actually to see that breakdown in addition to the fact that I have access now to all these health reports. Where are you from? In with one. So I'm actually Italian, Sicilian, uh, as well as French and German. So I'm, I'm like mixed European, but I went in there and found out some interesting stuff. Like one of them was, um, what was it? It was uh, West Asia and North African was like 5%. And I actually found my grandfather's sister in there. Um, and she has the same, you know, DNA in that line so I'm thinking uh, maybe a little bit uh, that could include Greece or Turkish or Iranian or. but it was some really interesting reports you go in and you find out a lot about yourself. I really do recommend it. Uh, the breakdowns are really cool. Uh, the mobile web as well as desktop stuff is really great. So order your 23andMe health and ancestry service kit at 23andMe.com games. That's 23andMe.com games and um Yeah, that's the URL, we got it. All right, so moving on as well, another sponsor, Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators with more than 25,000 classes in business, design, and more. Tim used the classes for visual effects to make the hype trailer for Kind of Funny 4.0, so you see the results there. Premium membership gives you unlimited access so you can join the classes and communities that are just right for you, whether you want to fuel your curiosity, creativity, or even career. Um, Skillshare is the perfect place to keep you learning and thriving highlights from one or more classes uh, partner found highlights from one or more classes partner found valuable that would be a good fit that sentence is a little bit broken yeah that's my bad but uh, highlights from one or more classes that you will find valuable and it's a good fit for your audience. I think it was uh, analysis. Skillshare is also super affordable. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. Join more than 7 million creators learning with Skillshare. The first 500 of Kind of Funny subscribers to use the link in the description will get a two-month free trial. So head over there quickly. Uh, Thank you very much. Um, Well, let's see. Let's move on to... A couple quick questions and then wrap today shows up, uh, show up. Uh, the first one was, do you think that given all the Anthem's issues, this comes from Two-Headed Giant, uh, Thank you. do you think that the game studio, uh, that their work environment should reflect the review score? And what Two Headed Giant says is, with Jason's massive and comprehensive report on Anthem and Bioware, I've seen some journalists like Kelly Plague uh, ask if known poor work environments should factor into a game score. What's your take on this? I know that I'm personally torn on it. I want to enjoy quality work by the talented devs and artists, but not if they're killing themselves to make it. Would abstaining from purchasing the game made under such horrible circumstances be a waste of that talent, or would it be effective to vote with my wallet and not buy something where the work environment is known to be toxic? What do I think it's a really good question. It's a great question. I'm with you. I don't know what to do. At the end of the day, when I buy something, I buy it to play it. And so part of me... Yes, you have to take into all these political factors. Like if we found out that they, some company employed slave labor and it's an amazing game or you want to play it, all right, now you might have to put, put you know, uh, your money away and not support something that is as vile as that. But in a situation of complicated development, I'm more on the side of like, look, I can't let that factor in either. I want to play this or not, and it works how it's intended, and like that's it's it's simple for me to answer on that basis. What about you, Gary?
2: I mean, I think that the situation we're in is the right way to cover it right now. Let's look at Anthem. Anthem came out. People reviewed the game uh, on its face. You know, they reviewed it for what it was um, and didn't necessarily go to any any broader issue. Although they talked about how it did seem to be like the product of. Um, you know, it clearly wasn't finished. There were there were clearly issues with development that were known, um, and people reviewed the game based on what was shipped. But then I think what we also have uh, a responsibility to do is what Jason did and do the follow up reporting and do a separate uh, line of of inquiry into well why how did this happen mm-hmm. and shine a light on it. So I, I think as long as that is also happening, uh, I think I think game reviews can be in the business of just reviewing the product on its face. But let's also make sure that when there clearly are issues and there might be a human interest story that needs. Um to be reported, let's make sure we do that too. So I think the way that, I think the industry I, the, so far as anthem is concerned, I think the system worked. The reviews mm-hmm. came out. They reviewed it honestly. They gave it the score it deserved, uh, which was kind of like a middling middling score. Mm-hmm. And then people like Jason come along and also do the the background story and why why and how did this happen? So we we see, we see the full picture.
1: Yeah. And exactly. That's where you get more of the full picture. And I I think that's the better way to put it is let's have this discussion outside of the reviews is what I would say is that it shouldn't affect the review and uh, vote. Certainly just do you want to play it or not? Um, But beyond that, we can have a discussion outside of it. This will resonate with the studio. It has certainly already gained traction we're talking about in today's show. So there's a time and a place for that stuff too. Um, And if it gets that bad, yeah, maybe you need things like petitions and and ongoing discussions about these problems. Obviously there's discussion, should developers unionize and all that stuff, but uh, longer discussion for later.
2: Uh, I mean, what's interesting about it is the end result is what matters, right? If Anthem had come out and and had had just as much of a human toll, the game had been perfect and it was 98% reviews and everyone was doing great would think this is great. Nothing needs to change. In fact, one of the uh, one of the one of the interesting articles about uh, one of the interesting we didn't talk about in the anthem article was how they talked about some of the developers at Bioware had wished that the most recent Dragon Age game had yeah. flopped because it would because it, it would it have would've it would have convinced trying so this is hard way to make games is not the right way. But, but, it, Bio, but this, thing, this happened. Dra- the the yeah. most recent Dragon Age it was Inquisition. I can't yeah, remember the 2014 call it. came out was super popular. But it, again, there was a lot of there was, was a lot of there was a lot of bodies left it. by the roadside in yeah. the development of that game. But uh, critically Claimed. Because it was critically acclaimed, that's all the that EA, like we sold a lot yeah. of copies, we did great, what do we need to change? Yeah. But when something so, comes out like Anthem, or they have like the loot box fiasco with with Battlefront 2, yeah. that when but, the end result is not good, only then will a company like EA say, well shit, maybe we need to change Yeah, and,
1: that, and that's what I put I've been covering games for a very long time and like it wouldn't have if Dragon Inquisition flopped. It doesn't change the culture of a studio based purely on that. You're always willing to find your other explanations for why something is good or bad and it's not. It, making games is hard. As Bioware it's did say, and I think that was the most accurate part of what they said. It is super tough. You said it yourself. Working on these big projects, uh, vision or not, is still, it's chaotic, and it's creative, and it's difficult, and um, sometimes, yeah, you, you run into tough situations like this. Uh, now, very fast squad up comes in from Gilly Brums on PS4. The username is Bright Shadow. We'll leave it in the, you know, the comments description, so make sure to find it there, but that's BR1. GHT bright with a one in it dash shadow bright shadow um, and he says uh, he didn't say he what he nothing. wants to play but uh, check out Gillian Brums. he guess he uh, can yep. play anything on He'll PlayStation play anything. Four message him uh, that's a great best friend right there he's down to play anything all right so on. The next few days of the show, uh, we're not going to have Gary anymore, unfortunately. I've had an awesome time. But tomorrow is Greg and Andrea, and then I'll be back for Fran Friday uh, and hopefully can read coherent sentences. Uh, Andrea and I will be on. So it's the Frandria show. Frandria, for Fran I love so, it. I'm trying. But uh, <laughs> Gary, it has been a pleasure, man. So much news today. We've bucked the trend, so I think we have to do this This is the again. first
2: time that we've actually gone over our hour because we just had so much
1: stuff that's to right. talk about. Yeah, I know, man. It's It's been an amazing show. So thank you, all the best Did friends, for tuning wrong. in. Huh? Did you do your wrong? We didn't do your wrong. I thought you might be cutting <gasps> oh, it. Oh, geez, over. that's
2: right. We can do it. Uh, I, 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 I didn't think I, we you might wrong. be cutting it because we were running over. Uh, do we have, have any
1: of right your here? wrongs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right here. Right. Um,
0: nah, he yeah, is great. You're doing a great job. I'm proud of you guys.
1: <laughs> Let me double check. Good call. I think I always skip you're wrong. I'm good at that.
0: You always skip you're wrong.
1: Well, I have we all make mistakes. I have a memory cool. of Kevin reminding me. Okay, so, uh, wow, we have a bunch of write-ins. I hope these are actually wrong because <laughs> it's making it very hard to read. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <clears throat> all right, uh, the you're wrong on the Unreal on Engine 4. Four games. So Vault gets thirty percent cut. Epic takes a five percent cut. On Epic store for the same game, Epic takes a twelve percent okay, so I was about right. So of the engine, they're talking about how Epic takes a five percent cut if you're on the engine. I think that's what this is saying. Okay. Whereas on the store, Epic is taking twelve percent. So it is huge difference. Uh thank you for writing in. Hopefully that is accurate. Um what else did we see in here that we might have been wrong on? Uh, oh um, and by the way that came in from I should have credited who that came in from was Lord of Pwn thank you very much Lord of Pwn and then also from Barrett the clown (laughs) it's actually pedo clown anyway uh, Bioware confirmed they didn't read Jason Schreier's article in full before the tweet went out apparently so they confirmed it and Kebabs is confirming the Metroid Prime 3 was on the Wii, and the Trilogy was also on the Wii as well. Uh, so we got that part right. Okay. And... Well, I did. Oh, wow. Because yeah. you said it was on the GameCube. I said it was on the Wii. No, no, no. no. I, I was saying the first Metroid. Oh, was on it. on but on that note, uh, I said 2003. By the way, I reviewed it then. And you're right, I was off by a month and a half. It was November 17th, 2002, the end of 2002 Okay, um, when that came out. And by the way, it should have got Game of the Year. A lot of people had awarded Battlefield 1942 that year, Game of the Year. Oh, well, you have a good memory but, for that. Uh, well, it was a very important year for me. And let's see if there's anything else. Uh, just making sure. Uh, somebody saying nanobiologists like the areas in your genetics report also include Morocco. True. Might be part Moroccan. More to find out. Interesting. Right. Uh Yep. I think we caught everything. All right. We did good. Nothing too nothing too bad. Nothing too bad. But I'm actually I'm actually pissed that I got Metroid Prime's release date right. I know. I mean, but if that's, that, if that's the worst thing for like a month and a half on a release date, I'll take it. Exactly. Well, it has been a pleasure, best friends. And Gary, it has been more of a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Let's do it again. Until next time, best friends. We'll see you.